This time on Guided. Right when I was thinking that about him, he looked over and he kind of like whispered it to his mom because he saw me like lifting the weights and he's just like, I want to lift those bigger weights. And I just like, I remember I, I like looked at him like in the, in the middle of his next set, I like looked at, looked at him through the mirror and then we had eye contact again and I just gave him like the nod, the like the acknowledgement nod where I was just like, hell yeah, man. Glad you're here. Glad you're doing it. Like, I respect you. And um, then he kept working out. And what I realized was that's like the ideal way to create healing for someone else. It's, you know, I didn't go pity him. And then I didn't run over there and try to like lift all the weight for him. I allowed him the dignity of lifting his own damn weight. And at the same time, when I was lifting even heavier weights, um, I didn't like tone it down and then, you know, not lift so much and not be so showy. Like I, I let him see what I was lifting because that was actually inspiring to him and that was something that, you know, he wants to eventually be able to do. But what I can do is I can respect him for exactly where he's at. And at the same time, like me, if I would go and like, smash my arm into the side of the machine so that I could only lift with one and a half arms like that's not going to inspire him either it's like me being where I'm at and continuing to get stronger and stronger that works really really well for both of us too welcome to guided a podcast all about following your intuition no matter where it guides you Alright, welcome back to the podcast. This is Zach Luz, your host of Guided, a podcast all about following your intuition no matter where it guides you. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about healing ourselves to heal the world. Hey, so before we get started, I just want to say thanks to everybody that's taken the time to go over to iTunes and submit a review. They are amazing to see, um, make me super happy, and they also help uh, the podcast grow quite a bit. So if you feel like helping and you want to, um, that's like a huge thing for us. Just go over there, tap the tap the stars, and that'll help us grow. And if you're not sure yet, then keep listening, and then hopefully you might change your mind later. All right, thanks so much for even considering it, and let's get back to the show. But before we do that, let's go ahead and do the synchronicity updates real quick. Synchronicity updates are the part of the show where I discuss synchronicities that are happening in real time that are encouraging me to keep moving forward on this uncertain path and follow my intuition even stronger. So the first one's from Camille, and it's about winning the lottery. So I wanted to just tell a quick story about buying a lottery ticket and what happened. So first of all, I never buy lottery tickets. I am not into it. I don't think it's a very useful way to make any money. And it's just not something I've ever done. But I was listening to a spiritual teacher talk about 
manifestation and how you could use someone asked her how how could you manifest through the lottery and so her response was well everything in the universe is organizing itself and setting itself up and the way that we're led to what's um, the right path for us is through our feelings so if someone feels a significant urge to suddenly go buy a ticket, that might mean that it's all lined up for you already and that that ticket is going to be a winning ticket. So I was just curious about it. and I So I've been paying attention to like how I feel when I go into like a gas station or something. And I was at a grocery store that had a lottery ticket and um, I just had that urge. I was, And it was just like one of the scratch tickets. But I was like, oh man, that would be so fun to try. I never do that. And there was a part of me that just felt like, oh, maybe this is the urge that she was talking about. This is the inspiration that she was talking about. So I was like, okay, Zach, um, let's go buy a lottery ticket. So we got one and I scratched it out. And sure enough, I won $5. And it wasn't really about the money so much as just noticing that following my highest excitement, following the urge, following the intuitive wisdom to go buy a lottery ticket actually led to a very real and physical manifestation. So I just wanted to share that with all of you. The next synchronicity I want to share isn't really about, um, isn't anything that I experienced directly, but um, when you're dating an artist, you find out uh, stuff that's happening in the art world. And recently, Banksy was just in the news for auctioning off a $1.4 million original piece of his at a Sotheby's art auction. And as soon as the guy bought the picture, um, the painting shredded itself in front of everyone. So most people stopped covering the story there, but I followed it further and then found out that uh, Banksy actually had... Um, he did this like elaborate... Uh, I'm not going to say a prank, but like kind of like a dem uh, installation demonstration thing. So basically he had uh, an old guy set up just like one of those little street side um, art uh, things like on the street in New York. So he had just an old guy sitting there. So it looked kind of like just those those little street side stores that most people just like walk right by and totally ignore it. And he sold his originals there. So he had an older gentleman that was working there with like a fanny pack and he's just sitting in his chair and most people are just passing by everything because he was selling his originals for 60 bucks when his originals are worth, you know, upwards of a hundred, two hundred, several hundred thousand dollars per piece. So there's this one woman who was in New Zealand and she's just like walking by and she looks at the pieces, and then she's like, these kind of look like Banksy's. So then she goes up, and she follows her intuition, and she goes up to the uh, gentleman selling them. And he says, and she says, are these the, the real thing? And then the guy looks her dead in the eye and says, yup. So then she buys a couple pieces, um, and then finds out, um, you know, as soon as she gets back home that they're worth, you know, several hundred thousand dollars each so it was just another extension kind of off of the Camille thing where she went and played the lottery and uh, won the lottery ticket but this is another example of how this woman following her intuition um, 
I ended up making uh, a little bit more than $5. So the idea for today's episode came from a voice message that I received from one of our other listeners. And in it, she said something about healing. And she basically, here, I'll just play the clip now so you understand. What's that book called? The Celestine Prophecy. And they talk about, you know, it's like this guy, sort of like the alchemist, if you haven't read it before, about this guy that like goes on a journey to like uncover these hidden, like this hidden manuscript where there's different lessons essentially on it. And um, I think like the third or fourth is about energy and how people, when they interact, it's like, especially if they're in conflict, they're just trying to take energy from one another. And I've been like reflecting about my personal relationships and really seeing how that applies of just like realizing that we are like yeah you can take energy from others and I certainly feel like I give energy freely a lot which is why I feel drained a lot of the times because I feel like hopefully if I give it to them then like that'll help them heal but like essentially people need to heal themselves from within and um we all can get our energies from inside and from not having to subscribe to that matrix programming game of like doing a certain thing in order to gain acceptance or gold stars or whatever from others um but rather doing it for ourselves because it truly you know energizes us from within so i know this listener pretty well and i want to point out one tiny sentence in that clip that is really really important for us to get i certainly feel like i give energy freely a lot which is why i feel drained a lot of the times because i feel like Hopefully they give it to them, then like that'll help them heal. But like essentially people need to heal themselves from within. So did you guys catch that? She was saying, I give my energy away freely, even though it drains me. Because I feel like if I give my energy to them, then it will help them heal. And that's the exact dynamic that we're going to talk about today. So you might be thinking, well, it's just a little bit of energy. Like what's the big deal, Zach? Um, and I understand that. But let me explain the big deal. So, if uh, you've been listening to the podcast for a while, chances are things are starting to get pretty cool. Uh, you're probably seeing signs all the time. You're starting to, like, your dreams are starting to communicate messages to you. And life's probably starting to get pretty interesting. Now, here's the thing. Usually the people that listen to this kind of a podcast are people that are really, really intuitive, really, really sensitive, and generally like pretty compassionate people. But there's this trap that happens all the time. I see it with like tons and tons of um, tons and tons of like coaches or healers or um, just generous, wonderful, kind people that want to make the world a better place. Um, like including myself in the past as well. And that trap is exactly what this listener was talking about, where we see other people where their life like isn't as exciting, or we see that you know they're they're not being able to tap into their intuition as strongly as we are, and then we want to help them do that. And this episode is all about what happens when we get stuck in this trap of giving of ourselves at our expense to help other people instead of giving from a higher perspective where what we're doing is basically we're helping ourselves and them at the same time and uh, it's like a going from win-lose to 
win-win scenario for everyone involved. Because we're over here trying to make decision. Do we follow our intuition and follow all the signs and like this, you know, pretty magical life that's starting to happen for us? Or do we go help people? And one of the ways that we can really lose, get off track with our, our own life is by getting stuck in this idea where we need to help everybody else before we can um, enjoy the exciting life that's in front of us. Um, and I understand the reasons why a lot of times we want to do that. That's one of the reasons why I started my coaching company is because I really love the feeling of seeing people break through and like just have their life get better. So I understand all that, but uh, if we have to wound ourselves in the process of healing other people at the expense of us following our intuition, um, it's, it's not good for anybody. So I used to think that wounding ourselves, even if it was just on a very subtle level, it was okay if it was for the greater good. Um, now I, I know a little bit better. Um, so for the rest of the episode, I'm going to share some stories of what happened when I actually tried the other side of the spectrum. And I approached things from a similar standpoint as the clip that our listener sent in. Where I was just willing to do, you know, just a little something. And just give a little bit of energy or a little bit of a discount or a little bit of a, you know, whatever. I was just willing to lose just a little bit or wound myself just a little bit uh, for other people's benefit. And then what happened to me and what happened to them? There's one metaphor that I always used to hear about this exact scenario. And that metaphor was put on your own oxygen mask first before you start helping other people. And um, like I heard it, I understood that it made sense. Um from an intellectual perspective, I got it, where it's like, yeah, you gotta, if you're on the plane, and then the there's a hole in the side of the airplane, and the oxygen masks pop out from the ceiling, you gotta put your own oxygen mask on first, before you help other people, because otherwise you'll pass out, and, and you won't be able to breathe. So, I, I understood that conceptually, but the thing was, every time I heard people say that metaphor, there was something about it that just kind of like, just grinded in me. It just didn't, it didn't go down smooth. It just felt a little bit wrong. And I thought that that was, it was just basically bullshit. I thought the best way to help people is to do whatever it takes. And I would be like, well, instead of me hogging the oxygen mask for myself, you know, what I'll do is I'll be so brave and so noble and so generous that when the oxygen masks pop down from the ceiling, I'll put mine, uh, you know, I'll put the other person's on them and then I'll pass out um, as this like brave, selfless, generous hero. And then, although I never said it, what I was doing was I was kind of setting up this like covert contract with the universe where I thought like, you know what, if I'm willing to do this and be so generous and so protective of other people and help them, especially in a moment like this where they really, really need it, then somehow, some way, the universe will take care of me. 
And although I never said it, and it was um, just this covert contract that I was making with the universe, I didn't realize how much this dynamic had been at play in my healing work or just basically any time I wanted to help others. So for the rest of the episode, I want to share some stories about times when I... um, I compromised my own well-being in order to help someone else with that intention, and then how it ended up working out for me and them. So to start, I want to talk about a time when uh, my little brother gave me a call, and then he asked to borrow some money. So he called me, and he said, hey, Zach, um, I'm a little short on cash. Is there any way I can borrow some money? And I was like, yeah, how much you need? He's like, 150 bucks. And I was like, okay, when can you pay me back? He's like, two weeks. I'm like, all right, so I'll give you three, but you can definitely get it back to me in three weeks, yeah? And then he goes, yeah, totally. So then I gave him, the, I put the money in his account, and um, I remember as soon as I hung up the phone, I was sitting next to my one of my ex-girlfriends, and then she looked over at me, and she says, like, what are you doing? And I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't think that there was anything wrong with that. But she knew that, one, I was not in the financial place to be giving out loans to people. And two, and this is actually the more important part, she said, why are you giving, why are you giving your brother money? And I was like, oh, just because he's my brother. If he needs something, then I'm, I'm, I want him to know that I'm there for him. And then she says, yeah, okay, I understand that. But like, do you think that actually helps him? Like, do you think it actually helps him to be able to just call you up and then get money like that for, for, I mean, you don't even know what you were giving him money for. Like, you don't know if you were giving him money for, like, books for school or work stuff or whatever. So then uh, I was like, well, that's actually a good point. And you're right, I actually probably shouldn't be loaning people money. I'm definitely, like, not in the place to be doing that. But, uh, yeah, let me call him back. So I got on the phone, found out that he wanted the money so that he could buy some rock climbing shoes, which he kind of used for his work, so I understood that. But at the same time, I was like, well, I can't be doing, I can't be doing that kind of thing um, on an ongoing basis. Um, a couple weeks later, the situation repeated itself, and he called me again, and he asked to borrow some money, and then I said, what do you need it for? And basically this time I said, hey, dude, I really want you to know, like, I love you. I got your back. And, um, you know, if there's like ever like an emergency or something, you can hit me up. But like, I can't be giving you money for like your rock climbing stuff. Um, You know, I'm just not really in the place to do that. And um, I don't think it's I don't think it's good for anybody involved. And um he was like really, really receptive to it. And then, uh, yeah, I just started to knock that off. Now, the reason that I did it at first was because I thought, you know, this would be really helpful. You know, I wanted him to know that he could count on me. And, you know, just that uh, his big brother has his back. But what I was actually doing was I was keeping him small. Um, I was keeping him in that position where, you know, we've all been in in a place like that where, um, you know, for me it happened right around like uh, college time. 
when I started getting to that age where I, I, it was time for me to like start paying for all my own stuff, but I was really enjoying the comforts of being at home and having everything basically taken care of for me. I was lucky enough to have that. So the thing is, um, by my parents continuing to shelter me and continuing to pay for everything for me, wasn't actually really helpful. As soon as they finally cut me off, then uh, you know I had to go out and figure out how to support myself on my own. And I had never realized that before, that basically when my brother could just like hit me up and ask me for money, um, I was basically disrespecting him. I was basically saying like, yeah, you can just keep borrowing from me instead of you going out and, and being capable enough to like change your life and set yourself up so that um, you don't need to borrow money from anybody that you're, you're basically completely set up. And the reason I use the word disrespectful is because um, it was keeping my brother small. It was like failing to recognize the, the brilliance and strength and inherent worthiness that is actually inside of him. Um, by me going, oh yeah, you can borrow money from me, it denies the fact that, you know, he's fully capable of making as much, if not way more money than me, that he's completely talented and, you know, he's completely capable of going out and uh, taking care of himself. So this was just like a subtle way that I was, uh, you know, wounding myself or just harming myself just a little bit and, and I was doing that with this intention of, let me heal the world, let me help my brother. But it actually wasn't doing any good for him or me. Years later, uh, just so you know where he's ended up, um, he is actually headed off to a technical school uh, in Arizona. And he's going to work on high-end motorcycles. So in some time, he's going to be uh, working on like high-end BMWs, and then eventually, uh, I don't know how he's going to pull it off, but he's got to make it to Italy, and then he wants to get certified so he can work on Ducatis. So he's uh, he's doing very well right now, um, and I'm super proud of him. Um, and yeah, kind of kind of jealous because that's going to be freaking cool. But um, that's that's like this whole dynamic where. You know, if I had still been like loaning him money over and over and over again, uh, it wouldn't have forced him to kind of get to the point where he decided to take his life into a, a new direction. So by me knocking that off, recognizing the inherent capability and strength that he has to take care of himself, um, and by backing off and letting him figure it out, um, things happen to work out a lot better for both of us. So I hope this is making sense on how being distracted by, oh man, I hope my little brother pays me back on this loan, um, like just having that kind of thing on my mind all the time, and just being like, yeah, well, he, he has to pay me back. Can you see how that might get in the way of us uh, following our intuition? So the next story I want to tell you is about when I uh, started my coaching business. Now, I got in this business because I love helping people, and it makes me feel really, really good. Um, but one way in which I didn't recognize my own strength, and you know, I let a little bit of that, that energy kind of seep out, I let myself be a little wounded, um, was through my prices when it first got started. So at the beginning, I tried to promote myself as like this benevolent, 
you know, altruistic healer, uh, coach, advisor that people could come and talk to, which was congruent because that's exactly what I was attempting to do. However, I still had weak points that I needed to work on. Um, one of which was asking for a real price. So I had heard from all kinds of other business gurus that I happened to be listening to at the time, and they were talking about this is the best growth strategy for any business, is basically give away all your best stuff up front for free. And then you're going to blow everyone away because they're going to recognize how talented you are. And then they're going to be so grateful that you shared so much value with them that they're going to want to start working with you. So that idea sounded great. I was like, oh, cool. Let me do that. And then I don't even have to deal with like this pricing icky feeling that I have. Um, and let me just try that out. So I did that for a while, filled my calendar with free sessions, and then just started delivering value over and over and over again. I remember one session I had with this woman where we spent uh, we spent two hours working on all of her stuff, and her big goal was like she wanted to move to New York. Got to the end of the session, and I just I knew I fucking rocked it, and um, she's super excited and she's ready to go. And at that point, I had finally, uh, I couldn't keep doing the free session thing. So I had finally said, okay, well, I'll, I'll accept the donation. So pay me whatever you want, whatever you think is fair. And that's cool. So after two hours of work, she paid me 25 bucks, And I was like, all right, well, this didn't match my expectation of what I thought you were going to do. And... Um, the thing is, she didn't do anything wrong. It had nothing to do with her. Um, but I was presenting myself in this in this wounded way, and I'm like, please heal me. Heal me. I want you to magically be able to read my mind, know which price is uh, a price that I feel like is fair for my work, and I want you to pay that without me having to even ask you for that. That was basically like this, uh, the covert contract I was making with her. Um, was, here, I'll do my services, and then you need to do all these things without me even having to ask for it. So I'm so grateful to her because I remember that day when she like paid me 25 bucks, and I was like, this sucks. Like There's no way I'm ever going to be able to build a coaching business off of like this, this small of a fee. And um, I, just, I just realized, I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. This is this this is not going to work. I have to change something, and then that act it called upon a strength in me where I had to finally face my fears around asking for a real price. You know, I couldn't keep doing this. Uh, oh, I'm this benevolent, generous healer when really I was just wounded and scared of actually putting a price on my services. And this single instance made me confront this. And ever since then, I started working through all my blocks around pricing and, and sales and stuff like that. And now my price is a lot, lot higher. And um, I'm so much more stable in it. And I see how that, you know, her not playing into my BS story around, oh, like I should just donate like a, a big amount because that's what you're supposed to do. Since she didn't play into that, 
all this growth got to happen for me. In other words, she wouldn't see me as weak and like, oh, I should pay more for his stuff because he's too weak to actually ask for the price. She was just like, oh, no, that's the offer? Okay, cool, this works for me. And then I could feel all the the, the dissonance inside of myself, which caused me to change. Intuitively, I knew that I had to raise my prices and there was no way I was going to get around this. So then this whole confrontation happened. Um, and then I had to drop this whole, oh, let me go heal the world and then people will love me so much that they'll want to buy my stuff instead of actually just working through my pricing blocks. So this next story is about uh, a sandals company that I had and how I tried to avoid my own like worthiness uh, by setting up a really stupid business model. So uh, we had this business where we sold sandals online to sororities across the country. And the reason we wanted to do that was because they would order in bulk. You know, it was basically like 100 girls to 200 girls at every sorority and they loved these sandals at the time so then we would sell them for 60 bucks now um basically uh i wanted to heal the world um instead of making a bunch of money because i thought you know if i'm making a bunch of money then i'm just going to be like I'm going to turn into one of those evil rich guys that just doesn't care about the planet, doesn't care about their fellow human being. You know, they're just like so caught up on how much money they make and that's the only thing that actually matters to them. So what we did was instead of donating like 1% of our profits, we decided to donate you know, $10 on every $60. Uh, so that ended up being a lot of money. Um, and funny thing was we would write these checks out to charity and it felt so good in the first two years that we could do it. Um, because, you know, we'd have like these big orders come in and then we would send a bunch of money out to charity and then we get to write all these checks and it just felt like super cool. But here was the problem. Um, it got to the point where we literally couldn't grow the business at all. Like, we we weren't making any money, and then we couldn't grow. So then we had to stay at the same size, and eventually we had to close business. And what really, really sucked was the, all the money that we donated to charity, uh, we had to stop donating that. You know, they had been used to receiving donations from us year after year, and then since we kind of got to the point where, you know, we didn't put our own oxygen mask on and we basically passed out as a business, we had to fold the business and then stop sending those donations to those charities. So in the end, we kind of screwed ourselves and the charity over. So what I thought I was doing was, I thought I was being really noble, you know, doing this thing kind of just like the the last one where I was giving away free sessions because I'm this noble spiritual entrepreneur that's, you know, changing the way that we do things. When really I was just scared shitless of naming a price. In this instance, I was doing the same thing where I thought I was this noble entrepreneur that was, you know, really donating a bunch to charity instead of just being one of those evil money-grubbing guys. But the, uh, 
the problem was, I wasn't that at all. I was just uncomfortable with the idea of making money. I was, I had all these judgments about wealthy people, which the funniest part was I hadn't spoken to too many wealthy people, so I didn't actually know them, but I had tons and tons of judgments about who they were. And I was worried that I was going to become one of them. So what I did was I made a covert contract with the universe and I said, okay, universe, I'm going to make a bunch of money, but I'm going to donate a bunch of money too to you. And then, um, you know, you have to make sure that I, I, I stay a good person. and I don't become one of those evil rich people. Um, so that was the contract that I was actually making. And this whole thing of like when I pull, when I was pulling this, let me heal the world thing into it, it wasn't, it wasn't pure, it wasn't true, it wasn't, it just was like, it just distorted everything. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the fact that um, we were donating to charity. And it wasn't just like some lame ass marketing ploy. Like we sincerely wanted to do it because we wanted to, you know, feel like really good people. But that was the thing. Like that was the contract we were making. It was like if we do this, then we get to be really good people, which had nothing to do with our sandals business. It just had to do with my fears of, you know, if I make money, I'm going to turn into this evil person, which later I discovered. Guess what? I'm not an evil person. And um, making this covert contract didn't help anything. So by us doing that whole let's heal the world thing with our charity contributions, um, we ended up uh, driving the business completely into the ground. So we had to close the business, screw over the charities, and then we're no longer rich. And then I still had to confront the same lesson and figure out that, oh, money has actually nothing to do with who we are as people. And it, it doesn't matter. It's just a thing. Um, I used to think it's like, uh, it kind of shows whether or not we're smart or not, or whether, uh, whether or not we're, um, yeah, wise or responsible or whatever. And it has absolutely nothing to do with any of that, which I can finally see now. Um, so I, the point is I still had to go through that learning lesson and um, I still had to learn that. Uh, and, and trying to skirt my way around the outside of this by pledging to donate to charity didn't help me get past the lesson. Eventually, I just had to learn the lesson a different way. So to summarize, once again, trying to make a pledge to donate a bunch of money to charity, you know, my attempt to heal the world, instead of focusing on my own issues with wealthy people and my own judgments towards wealthy people, healing myself, didn't work out. Like, I, eventually I just had to come back around to the point where I actually healed myself and worked through my judgments around rich people where I actually got to know them and, um, you know, find out that a lot of the ones that I happen to come in, in contact with are super kind, really, really generous, really, really want to see other people succeed, and you know, haven't gotten to the top by, like, screwing people over and being evil. It's like, they're actually really, really nice, and if you bring them tacos, then they'll talk to you and share a whole bunch of stuff about life. So, this last story is about this man that I met at a farmer's market. 
so I walked in there, and then I saw this old man. He had this, like, little rickety cart, and he had a bunch of cards, like greeting cards, um, all stacked in there. And they were really beautiful. They had, like, really, really wise sayings on them. You could tell that this man was, like, really, really intelligent. And, you know, he just had, like, a great deal of wisdom about him. The cards were beautiful. He showed me one that his, his son wrote when he was, like, five. And it was this, yeah, really profound thought. And, you know, I bought a couple of those. And, um, yeah, it was a really special moment. So then a couple of years later, I went to the same farmer's mar- market in the same little town. And uh, through all my entrepreneurial adventures, I've worked things like farmer's markets. And, man, those things are fun at first, but they get old real quick. And, yeah, I remember I saw him, like, again, at the same farmer's market with the same rickety cart and the same cards. And I went up to him, and he had this the same pricing policy that he had from years ago, which was... You know, pay whatever you want. It's all donation. You know, you could give me a penny and then take all the cards if you wanted. And I started thinking, oh, wow, this reminds me of uh, a version of myself that uh, has been here before. And I remember feeling so conflicted about it because part of me wanted to support this guy um, and buy some of his cards again. But then the other part of me was feeling like, well, maybe an even better way to support him would be to like step into the role that that woman did when she when she only paid me twenty five uh, bucks for the session, and then that basically set me on a journey to basically like work through all of my other blocks so that I could get to the point where I was like really really uh, sustainable in my own business. So I remember feeling really conflicted. Um, I didn't buy anything that day, and I was and Camille did because she's just the sweetheart. And I remember just kind of like mulling this over my head, and I was like wondering, oh, did I do the right thing or did I not? And you know, I was like, maybe there was a better way to heal, or or I don't know, should I have bought the cards or not? And I just kind of like was thinking about it for the rest of the day. And then I went to the gym and I got the best metaphor ever for explaining how uh we might be able to heal, you know, all these different uh situations that we come into where we see somebody that we really really want to help in a way that helps us and them. And with the old man with the cards when he looks at me and says, you know, Basically, the most that I can receive right now is whatever you're willing to donate. I can look at him and go like, okay, you know what? I know you can receive more, but I'm going to let you um, go through that journey and let you get there on your own time. Even though it totally breaks my heart to see him continuing to struggle, um, I'm not going to, you know, go lift his weight for him. So, turns out that, you know, the best metaphor for healing isn't to put oxygen masks on your face or their face or whoever's. 
It's to let them lift their own weight and be there rooting them on, encouraging them, and making sure that you stay focused on lifting your own weight so that you can be strong enough to uh, help others. Right when I was thinking that about him, he looked over and he kind of like whispered it to his mom because he saw me like lifting the weights and he's just like, I want to lift those bigger weights. And I just like, I remember I, I like looked at him like in the, in the middle of his next set, I like looked at, looked at him through the mirror and then we had eye contact again and I just gave him like the nod, the like the acknowledgement nod. Where I was just like, hell yeah, man. Glad you're here. Glad you're doing it. Like, I respect you. And um, then he kept working out. And what I realized was that's like the ideal way to create healing for someone else. It's, you know, I didn't go pity him. And then I didn't run over there and try to like lift all the weight for him. I allowed him the dignity of lifting his own damn weight. And at the same time, when I was lifting even heavier weights, um, I didn't like tone it down and then, you know, not lift so much and not be so showy. Like I, I let him see what I was lifting because that was actually inspiring to him and that was something that, you know, he wants to eventually be able to do. But what I can do is I can respect him for exactly where he's at. And at the same time, like me, if I would go and like smash my arm into the side of the machine so that I could only lift with one and a half arms, like that's not going to inspire him either. It's like me being where I'm at and continuing to get stronger and stronger. That works really, really well for both of us too. So if you're like me and you're one of those people that sees others and you genuinely want to help them, um, I hope this episode has helped you um, remember how to return back to your own strength and focus on developing that so that, um, yeah, you can have a life where you're completely led by your intuition and you're following it and you're having an exciting time and you allow others the ability to find that in themselves and you just kind of resonate that frequency. And then other people remember that in themselves when they're around you. Instead of, instead of us um, getting caught in that trap of you know, having to help everybody else and heal the whole world before we heal ourselves. Um, I hope this episode has changed your perspective to the point where you might think about helping yourself heal as the way of healing the world. Next time on Guided. Prior to meeting Steve, I had been on a solid streak of personal development. I was sucking down podcasts like they were whey protein shakes. I was an action taker, a doer, and I wasn't willing to settle for anything short of excellence. So, 
Needless to say, I was pretty stunned when Steve revealed one of his secrets to me. I asked him, when did it finally happen for you, man? Like, when did it just click? And he replied, well, once I stopped caring about success so much. It took me a couple minutes to regain my consciousness as I slurped the drool that was hanging from my gaping mouth. And I asked him, uh, do you think you could elaborate on that a little bit? Intro and outro music by The Passion Hi-Fi.